Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. No silent assassin, Matt Costa. No psychic medium, Stephanie Burke. Science advisor, Matt Moniz, out in the field. He's out in the field tonight because it's a very special night. We are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night broadcasting live on WBSM as well as on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com and on YouTube and on the Paranormal Radio app. But it's a special night because tonight is our annual Bridgewater Triangle investigation show. And so that's why Moniz is out in the field. He is out uh, going to check out a couple of different locations. And we've also got some other people positioned out in the triangle. Now, I have to apologize at first because I think it's not a secret that um, Matt Costa is the glue that holds this show together. And since he's unable to join us tonight, this is going to be... Far and away the worst Bridgewater Triangle investigation show we've done since the first one. Hopefully the content is good. But in terms of the technology, it won't be nearly as good. I think last year we set the bar way too high. Because last year we had people actually out in the field going live with video. And Matt would incorporate that video live into the show. And it's just amazing the stuff that he could pull off. I can't pull off any of that. I'm going to be lucky if I can do this old school and we just take phone calls from people that are out in the field. But we will do that. We'll have them call in and share what's going on out there. Uh, Andrew Lake is here with me. Hello, Andy. Hello, Tim. Good to be here. We are going to talk about the Bridgewater Triangle here in the studio. Chris Balzano may join us as well uh, a little bit later on. And we're going to kick around some triangle topics while the teams are out there in the field and they're going to let us know if anything starts happening i mean of course we check in just to see what's going on find out where they are and the stories that are reported there but you know if something really starts to happen the idea is that hopefully we can connect with them while it's happening it's always iffy in the bridgewater triangle especially some of the places that these folks go to uh they they go to some remote areas but i know I think Moni still has Verizon, which works through most of the <laughs> works through most of the triangle, but not all of it. Yeah, um, and and hopefully we can connect with them. I mean, Andy, I know you've been out many, many times in in the Bridgewater Triangle to the various hotspots, and you can attest. You know, when you get out to the Hockamock Swamp, or to some of these areas deep in the Freetown State Forest, or some of these other spots in Rehoboth, like cell phone signal yeah. is a luxury. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You may be getting nothing. <laughs> which is not a good thing to have uh, on your cell phone. You're in the Freetown State Forest. You kind of like want to be able to call somebody. Right. Well, the important thing is that it's it's a safety thing more than yeah, anything. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's one thing to say, when we started doing the show, uh, we didn't have the smartphones that we have now. No. So when we started doing the, the annual Bridgewater Triangle investigation show, it was... Literally just people calling in on the phone because they didn't have any other technology. They would bring with them video cameras and, and recorders and and, uh, and and still cameras, and they would send us all that stuff after the fact. But the only way that we had to connect with them was through the phone. And now, 
as the technology has progressed, you know, it's it's changed to the point where we could have we could be out there live. I could actually be broadcasting from the Hockamock Swamp. As long as I had enough of a, a cell phone signal to do it, I could bring all the broadcast equipment that I need and we could do the show right there. But I think that going back to this old school style, it kind of, you know, reinvigorates the Triangle show a little bit that maybe we got a little bit too lost. Yeah, no, I follow the technology. What you're I agree. I absolutely agree. Uh, keep it old school. Right. And if you're going to go out there into the Triangle on your own, uh, you know, maybe not tonight, and, and please don't go out tonight. The people who are out there tonight have already gotten permission uh, to be where they are. So don't just wander out. This, this is something that's happened in the past. Where yeah. People show up and they say, oh, we're here because uh, Spooky South Coast is doing a radio broadcast and we're taking part in it and we have no idea. The people who are out there in the field let us know in advance they're going to be there and they've gotten permission to be where they're going to be. Uh, but if you do decide to go out later on into the triangle, let people know where you're going. If you're going into the Freetown State Forest, the Hockamock Swamp, any of these more remote areas... Let people in your own life know where you're going to be and let the appropriate authorities know where you're going to be. And you'll find that if you do that, if you ask for permission, more often than not, permission will be granted. They're probably not going to let you in the Freetown State Forest after dark unless they know you. And they're probably going to be um, you know, pretty skeptical to let people in there that they don't know anyway. Yeah. Just because there's been such an influx of people lately. Uh, so if you, if you do that, if you... Go out there and try and experience this for your own. Just make sure that you follow the rules. I don't know why, but for the last, I don't know, year or so, we've been getting a lot more reports of people doing things the way they're not supposed to. Yeah. And I thought we'd gotten past all that. Well, I don't, I don't know if people are ever going to mature. There's always going to be that person that just doesn't think. and. It's one thing if you're a run-of-the-mill person. Yeah. yeah I shouldn't say run-of-the-mill. Well, you know, just a yeah. regular average non-paranormal investigator. Uh, and if you decide to go to one of these places and essentially go and legend trip at one of these spots, I could understand not having the wherewithal to get permission and to let people know where you're going. But if you're somebody who calls yourself a paranormal investigator, yeah. if you've got the team and you've got the Facebook page or the website and the matching T-shirts and all that. Be a professional. Right. You should know better. It just happened recently in Rhode Island at the, the famous Ramtail site, the haunting, the Ramtail site, the old factory. There's a gate that blocks the access road down there. And someone took a pickup truck, put it against the gate, and just rammed the gate, broke the gate open, and drove down there. And when the cops showed up and asked them what they were doing, they're like, oh, we're investigating. Why didn't you park the truck and walk in? It's like you don't need to drive in. It's only about 300 yards into the woods. And this idiot goes and plows a gate open. And it's like, oh, well, how, how could I get in here with all my equipment? <laughs> Makes the rest of us look dumb. And and what happens, too, is I remember the lad school story. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a that's the story that I always go with when I'm telling people about the dangers Same of doing here. this. You know, for those unfamiliar, and correct me if I have any of the details wrong, but this was an abandoned school in Rhode Island. Yep. That was a popular spot for people to go and do not only paranormal investigation, but also urban exploration. Yes. And from my understanding, they didn't really give anybody permission to go no, in there. No, no, you weren't supposed to be in there. And some kids went in there. Uh, you know, late, late, late teens, early 20s. Yeah. And they considered themselves paranormal investigators. So they went into this school, they broke in, and one of the kids spilled like hydrochloric acid on his lap. Yeah. And basically burned his junk off. Yeah. And then these kids turned around and sued the state of Rhode Island because they left it so that they could possibly break in and there was hydrochloric acid sitting in there. So they tried to sue them for the damages of what happened to the kid. 
And, you know, thankfully the judge threw the case out, but still. The state police had already given a warning because some other ghost hunters went down there and got jumped and robbed at knife point. And as the state police said, they had young girls with them. Who knows what could have happened? So they even went on the TV in Rhode Island and said, that's private property. Stay off of it. It's dangerous. So never mind, you know, you know, falling through a floor or getting acid on you. There were, there were homeless people with serious issues and, and drug problems and who carried knives and broken bottles. You don't want to be running into that in the middle of nowhere. I think, too, the other problem is when people go out and do this, they don't realize that, you know, even though it's an abandoned property, somebody still owns yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And we run into this problem all the time where we'll know that people go into places for example, Lakeville Hospital. You know, people go in there all the time and do urban exploration or go in there and try and do paranormal investigation. And it happens. And people tell, oh, I've been in there like a dozen times. How come you've never been in there? Because nobody will grant us permission to go in there. And we're not going to go in there without permission. So people don't realize sometimes just because you can get in, you should. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're not leaving it open for you by making it so that all you have to do is peel back this one board and crawl through the broken window. Yeah, you see all these videos on YouTube of these people doing this, and it's like, what are you doing? Like, does anybody even know you're there? Like, you fall through a floor. Are they ever going to find you? I don't understand that either because that's become a, a much – and it's a much bigger hobby, I think, for people than than folks realize, the urban exploration. Yes, it's very big. But I don't think those people realize that they're hurting lots of other people by right. doing that. They're keeping it so that paranormal investigators can't get permission. They're making it so that television shows can't get permission to go in there. You know, there's been plenty of places that I've wanted to put on TV for the different shows that I've worked on where they've said, and it would help them to get a nice check, you know, pay a couple thousand dollars for a location fee. And they would say, well, no, we can't do that because then we're going to have people breaking in here all the time. Yep. And you say to them, well, shouldn't you have better security than that? But they don't. They don't have the money. That's right. You know the the one place that's a no excuse for that, and uh, you know people from the city can get pissed at me if they want. But here in New Bedford, there is no excuse for why they keep having so many issues at Fort Tabor. You know, it's it's. I, I walked in there one day with permission into Battery Milliken. Um, I can't remember if it was when we were going in with Jeff to film. No, it was when we were going to be doing one of our events back when they allowed us to do the events there and we were doing a walkthrough with stephanie and uh when we showed up there was a town a city employee dpw guy in there painting over the graffiti in the walls of battery milliken like painting all the walls of the whole whole battery which is probably going to take him a year yeah (laughs) really but he's in there doing that and 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 i said were you putting up a fence you're putting up something he's like no no, I just, I come in here every couple of months and they have me repaint all this. Why? What's yeah. the point? It's stupid. Yeah. Because somebody's just going to come in there and tag it up again because you don't have any security That's in right. there. We would be allowed to go in there and do paranormal investigation, I'm sure, if they would just put the proper gating on I, it. I, yeah, exactly. And stop putting up chain link fence that somebody's just going to cut through, get some iron bars with a padlock on it, and make it so that people can't get in there. No, I know, but it's... Oh, how are we going to come up with the money? I got an idea. Yeah. Let us go in there and do events yeah. and raise that money for you. But, you know, they're they're tone deaf when we start yeah. to talk to them about that stuff. Oh, the liability. Oh, yeah. the liability. Well, you know what? There's just as much liability on you now having chain link fence that people break through and sneak in. 
Well, I, I was for this um, this program a few years back. I thought, hey, nobody's gone down to the Great Swamp where the worst battle of the King Philip's War took place for the King Philip's show. And uh, I was asking permission, you know, from the Rangers and everything. They said, oh, you should have come here like six months ago to get the paperwork going for this. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, this is Rhode Island. People take hikes in the woods. They fall down. They sue Rhode Island because they fell down taking a hike. Hunters go out there during hunting season, climb up in a tree stand, they drop their gun, they blow their own foot off. It's Rhode Island's fault. And the, the sad thing was, I said to the ranger, he says, well, what exactly, what were you going to broadcast? What were you going to do? And I told him that, you know, we we're going to tell stories about the King Philip's War through ghost stories. And I said, you know, the great swamp fight, I've heard stories from Narragansett Indians and, and, and whites alike that the place is crazy. And this park ranger looks at me and gets that look in his face and goes, yeah, it's kind of weird in there. <laughs> and that's all he would say. He just had that look at his face like he's seen some stuff. I just, I don't understand why it's it's such a struggle. But, I mean, I guess it's because we live in such a litigious society that everybody's looking for a way to make a quick buck by suing somebody. Yeah, that's, well, I'm from Rhode Island. I'm a life resident. I'll tell you, we're all uh, sue crazy down there. I actually had a girlfriend who, as I got to know her, her family shamelessly were those people that would look for a spill in the supermarket. No, the fa- yeah. And once I learned that, I was like, yeah, I'm hanging out with the wrong people. These, right. the-, <laughs> the ones that they actually had like the slip and fall con already planned yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, I'm done with you. You're, you're yeah, a little slippery. And that's the problem with, with paranormal people is, you know, you don't know how many of them are planning to do the same thing. So you can give them yeah. permission. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the, 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 the the police departments that are in charge of you know, watching over a lot of these places. They don't know one group from another. No, They no. don't know who. It's funny because people used to reach out to us, law enforcement, uh, people that worked at the, as park rangers, whatever. There were pe- a good amount of people that would reach out to us and say, hey, what do you know about this group? Should we let them in? And I would have to say, I've never heard of them. Right. I don't know anything about it. Now we're a little bit more connected because of social media. Yep. But still, like I would have to know you and have worked with you to be able to vouch for you. Yep. Let's, let's, just, let's, let's face it, a few years ago, paranormal groups in this area were popping up like mushrooms. It mm-hmm. was like you couldn't keep trip. They'd only last like six months, but you know, you, you had no idea who these, these people were. Right, and just because I know you doesn't mean that I'll vouch for you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And that, that by the way, that goes for anything in life. Yeah. And anybody out there should understand that. Like, if if I haven't worked with you, how can I speak to, to your methods and, 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 and if you'll follow the rules and all that? And just because, I mean, there's people that we put out in the field over the years for the Bridgewater Triangle Investigation Show, like tonight, where, you know, they'll call me and be like, well, you give me a reference to go in to this location. And I'll say, what I'll do is I'll tell them exactly what you did for us. But uh, if I haven't worked with you directly, I can't give you a reference. Right. I can only just say, here's what I know about them. Uh, Perfect example, the Fearing Tavern. Yep. The Fearing Tavern is not open for paranormal no, investigation no it's something that they allow us to do for a fundraiser for them because we live in town and because we have a sense of responsibility that they appreciate and we i've jumped through a lot of hoops over the years to be able to do that i still this is the first year that i didn't have to go to the meeting to ask for permission to do an event there because they know and trust you. They've worked with you. They know what you are. This We're like, what, 10 years in yeah. from doing events there. Finally, I didn't have to go before them and ask them. So, stacking up the phones here. So, this is the first year that I didn't have to do that. But other groups ask me all the time and they say, hey, can you get us in there? Now, there's been a few people that I have worked with and that I trust that will say, okay, I'll see what I can do. But there's been other people that I just tell them, like, no, they're not open for investigation. Yeah. 
You know, no. you can you can reach out to them and you can say, hi, I'm such and such from Paranormal Group and I, uh, I want to come and investigate the Fearing Tavern and you can work it out with them directly between the two of you. But I'm not getting yeah. in the middle of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be your PR guy. Right. Maybe if they said, hey, we have this Paranormal Group, Tim, can you come by and, you know, yeah. be here? That's a different story. I would feel yeah. an obligation right. because, you know, we've worked with them for so long. But I would never, like, be the intermediary to make that happen for somebody because... I'm not going to risk what we do and our reputation right. on somebody that I don't even know. And plus, you'd hate to get that phone call like, hey, yeah, thanks for saying that group is okay. You should have seen what they did in the house last night because then you're like, oh, great. Now I, now I feel awful. So you don't want to do it for that reason, too. I have to say, it's probably happened to all of us in the paranormal world here locally. We've probably all gotten burned at some point by saying somebody was okay, and then it turned out that they weren't. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot of people that we've worked with that we wish that we hadn't. Yep. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of people who will probably still drop our names. Yep. And we wish that they wouldn't. You know, somebody somebody asked me, actually asked me what happened to a uh, a former Ghost Hunters cast member that we used to do a lot of things with. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. Mm. I don't know anything about it. Well, you know, can you reach out? No. Nope. Nope. No, like if I don't talk to somebody, that there's a reason for yeah. that usually. Yep. So, if you anybody that's out there tonight that's taking part in the Triangle Show, consider yourselves lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it means I like you. Uh, speaking of people that I like, let's go to the VIP line because I think we have our uh, our other co-host for the evening on the line. Uh, Chris, are you with us? I am. I'm actually. Uh, I just called in to talk to Andy. Okay. Well, I'll I'll just go uh, refill my tea, <laughs> and you two can can do what you need to do. I'm sorry, who's this? Oh, uh, your biggest fan, Christopher Balzano. Oh, Chris, I didn't hear you. I was, I, was, I was looking at the chat room, and I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. How are you doing, Chris? Excellent, excellent. I, I can't believe you don't recognize my voice. No, like I said, I got distracted just making sure I didn't miss any good questions in the chat room. I'm, I was like 20 miles away. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what have you been up to? The same exact thing. They get distracted and weren't listening to me. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, you still uh, tripping on Legends? I am. I am. I just uh, I got back from Central Florida uh, yesterday. I had two events, and then I tried to get out into the field to uh, to follow up on some legends out there. It's uh, so actually it's a lot better out here than I originally had thought. So it's, I'm still having fun. That's great. That's great. I just uh, took a uh, small group on my haunted Rhode Island tour today, and was up at the tavern on Maine, and they showed me a picture that was taken two years ago of a uh, an apparition standing next to a woman. And the crazy thing mm -hmm. was. On that very day the picture was taken, the state trooper who murdered the woman in the bar was just put on parole that day. Oh, that's crazy. It, it, it was a crazy photograph. I could not dismiss it as just, you know, lens flare or something. It, there's definitely something vaporous next to this woman uh, standing in the bar. Is that on your uh, Greenville Paranormal site yet or no? No, I uh, I just saw that it was handed the picture today. Matter of fact, Tom D'Agostino was there helping raise money for uh, some charity event, doing a little uh, ghost thing upstairs, and uh, uh, he, he uh, brought up the picture. He asked if I had seen it, and uh, they brought a copy to my table. It was eaten with my guests, and it was like, wow, that is absolutely crazy. That is, you know, with the, the video they took of the thing getting up out of the booth and walking away, and yeah. my video of the camera moving, and that, that place is just crazy, and the food is great. I don't mean to do a commercial for a restaurant, <laughs> but the Tavern on Main in Chapachet Rhode Island, the food is fantastic. Oh yeah, and the history is great people too. People are saying they people are saying they can't hear me, so I'm going to try to uh, switch my phone up. Let no, no, go. it's not your phone. It's not your phone. Okay. I, what I'm, you say? it's not your phone. Oh okay. I I pressed the button, but the stream is behind by a good two three minutes, so it's gonna, right, it's going to take them a little so, while before it catches up. As we say here in Florida, Robert did it. So 
Right. <laughs> totally his fault. Uh, so exactly. we do have some calls uh, stacked up. We get some people that are out in the area. Uh, but if anybody does want to call in through the course of the night, too, it's not just uh, the, the teams that are out there in the triangle tonight that we're going to be talking to. We'll talk to anybody out there that's had an experience in the Bridgewater Triangle that they think might be related to some of the Bridgewater Triangle phenomena. You can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. The only thing I didn't think of, Chris, is while you're on the phone and I'm trying to dial somebody, I'm probably going to have to like pull you down. So just be aware of that when I go to dial the oh, phone. Okay. You, might be, you might be pulled down. All right, so let's see who's I, on the I line. I that way all the time, so... I know you're used to it. <laughs> Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hello. Hey, what's shaking, Timmy? Hey, Lamone. Hey, listen, I don't mean to be rude, but we got to keep this real quick and on topic because we got a lot of calls to get to tonight. Well, you're doing a bad thing and not being rude, Dan. You know, you're doing very bad at it. Okay, so um, tonight I'm going to, uh, I'm up here getting ready to watch, um, watch uh, Jaw Rule, uh, Ashante. Um, uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony tonight, and Chingy. I know you like him a lot, so I want to let you know that. And um, I'll tell you about my my weekend with Willie Nelson with my week. Yeah, definitely. Let us know how that goes. <laughs> oh, that was, oh, that was that was already. He's oh okay. He's already gone. Yeah, that was. I spent like Thursday. He's on the he's on the road again. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And so you want to talk about tears? It was like really touching this time. He's getting so frail these days. Yeah, I can imagine. And yeah. It's like, and you know the song with the highwaymen where he was singing. Oh yeah, no, you know, I heard you guys the, singing it last night on the after show. Oh, you did? Huh? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad. Was it working for you? Oh yeah, no, it was great. So, <laughs> so when are you going to come out here and investigate the Bridgewater Triangle with us, Lamone? Well, I, I, I thought about that just as I was on. I can't give you, can't lie to you and tell you uh, when, but I'm sure that you'll be be very persuasive. Did you think about that girl? Else, think, her, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm losing you. The girl I was telling you about the last time I talked to you on the after show. Oh, and, um, her name is Beth Elizabeth. Yeah, Beth, I, I still do, still don't know who you mean. I'm thinking some of Lizzie. You know, gets guys deal with board mother. So that might be something with that. I don't know, but I plan to share that with you also. But I would like, uh, I just want to say hello to everybody and all the Spooky South Coast clan out there listening, living life. And even, well, and, um, we appreciate I'm, that. And you're, you're the guy on the, you're, you're a fellow uh, friend right there. He sounds like, um, he sounds like Jim Florentine, you know, from, uh, yep, from yep. Crank Yankers. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's Andy. You've heard, you've heard him on Midnight in the Desert telling Rhode Island ghost stories. He looks like him a little bit too. He was like, he looked like he was a little bit. Like, yeah, that's Jim 14 for you right there. All, all you need is Rob Brewer to have it, have it up and going. But like, but, um, yeah, I just wanted to holler at you and to say hello. And I'll listen to the to the Bridgewater subject. It may not I, be I, Teddy Two Glove, Teddy Two Glove Bridgewater. No, I'm not Teddy Bridgewater. No, I think you'll enjoy yeah, it. Okay, I damn damn well. Okay, all right. Say hello you, to everybody. And my birthday. Are you doing the show next week? You're doing one next week. We next should week be. Weekend? Yep. I'm coming after wrestling, but uh, maybe a little bit late. But uh, we should have a show. Are you going to be doing Dave's show this week sometime? Uh, no, I'm working in the morning all this week, so I don't think I'll be able you to. Know, you know that Dave got brought something home from doing the wholesale file. I heard. Yeah. Had going on. Yeah, his house was flooded and stuff like that. Well, hopefully, hopefully it all works out for him. We've got right. a bad case of incontinence. We got to so jump. That's kind of crazy. We got to jump to our next call. We got all of our investigators calling okay. in. 
All right. I live in love and pick life, playboy. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Take it Bye, easy. Bye, everyone. See Ciao, Bella. All right. That is Lamone, uh, and, and it might be the shortest Lamone call we've had on Spooky South Coast. <laughs> Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Hello. You're on the air. Hello. Hi. You're on the air. You talking to me, Tim? I don't know. Uh, am I? <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't hear the buzz before you. That's why I was curious. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mark 76, checking in. Called you earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, I'll be short. Um, I wanted to let you know if, if it weren't for the events of last Saturday, I had 50 people lined up to go to your thing last week. 50 people? We wouldn't have been able to take that many people in there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, they were all interested. They wanted the ghost hunt. They wanted to see Salem, the whole... But we had to cancel, as I told you, we had a fire. Well, I'll tell you what. When mm-hmm. uh, once, you, once everything works out for you and, uh, and, and you know, you finally get delivery of all that money... I will yep. set something up with, for you guys uh, with Greg over there, and we can we can do a special private event. Okay, and I understand you're doing wrestling. Uh, yeah, next Saturday. I got, a, I got a match for you. Donald Trump against Biden. I don't want to watch. I would, I would pay. I would pay five hundred bucks ringside uh, to see that. That's to be like watching Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair go at it now. They're both old and leathery. Okay, Tim. Have a great one. We'll be talking. All right. Take it easy. Yep. Bye bye. All right, well, let's let's see if we can start getting into some things with our investigators. See, Chris, it's, this is what happens when you uh, when you step away as the content director for the show. It just goes off the rails. <laughs> I'm actually wondering who all these uh, these people seem like regulars. I'm wondering who they are. I haven't been able to listen in a while. Yeah, no. Well, Lamone is a is a regular caller to Midnight in the Desert in the after show, and uh, and now he joins us on Saturday nights. And then we have um, we have uh, Mark, who has been updating us on his. Uh, he he won a large sum of money from Publishers Clearinghouse, and and things didn't work out the way that it was supposed to. And there's been all kinds of intrigue and and drama involved in it. And uh, you know, uh, at, at the national level, there's been people involved in uh, in law enforcement and the Justice Department that have been wrapped up into this web of conspiracy. So we're waiting, just waiting for him to get delivery of that payment, and um, you know, then we're going to celebrate. I guess he keeps telling us we're going to have a little party. So sounds cool. Yeah. Speaking of parties, we've got uh, tons of stuff going on out in the field. Uh, let's see if we can uh, check in with uh, Matt Moniz. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring this up, and then I'm going to go. Uh... I think that should work. Let's see. Let's see if that calls him. There we go. Hello. Hey, Moniz. How's it going, Tim? Yeah. All right. You're on with myself and Andy and Chris. Uh, and I was, I'm surprised I was able to, to dial a phone. <laughs> so you are out uh, at, a, at a spot that you've been to before. Yes. Well, I am currently at the uh, dog track hanging out uh, back down the, uh, the road behind it where people have had encounters. Then a little later on, I'm going to head into Middleborough off of Pine Street, where we've had recent sightings. And so, you know, the the dog track area has been something that we've talked about in the past, but, I mean, just refresh everybody's memory with some of the stuff that's been reported there over the years, because this goes all the way back to, you know, the mysterious America Lauren Coleman days, some of the sightings out there. Right. Uh, behind uh, the track, uh, a, a number of Bigfoot sightings have occurred. Uh, there's also been... Uh, 
near the area, uh, the large black dogs, as well as a little bit further out is where they had sightings of, you know, snakes. They said the size of stovepipes and stuff. Uh, not to mention there's been uh, a number of UFO sightings right over the track. Um, I, I remember various sightings that occurred out here because my father and my sister actually had worked at the track, and they would tell me tales of, you know, hey, somebody said they saw this on the backside of the uh uh, of the track, and, you know, a, a, a number of ports do come out of this area off of the 138 uh, belt here. And uh, what's the current status of the dog track now? Because I know that it was it was open for a while, even though we don't have dog racing anymore in Massachusetts. They were doing simulcasts. Is it yeah. still open? Is it still a, a functioning facility? It's still a functioning facility, more like an off-track betting parlor. Uh, there's some gaming stuff there. Uh, I've actually not been in in probably about five, six years. But uh, it, when I parked in the parking lot, there were plenty of cars here. So uh, I am assuming it's open and running. Well, the um, the I, I suppose with having less activity there, maybe there's more. I mean, less, less activity in terms of business being at the, the dog right. track. Maybe that's allowing some stuff to happen more often, but we haven't really heard any new reports. At least I haven't. Maybe you have, but uh, there hasn't been a lot of stuff coming in from people who have gone out in that area. Maybe people just aren't going and poking around out there anymore. Uh, not not as much as when the track was functioning because, yes, you have more people, obviously, more people, more eyes, more opportunity to see things. But uh, there have been some groups that have gone uh, – down the lines, the power lines area, and have had uh, some reported activity. And, you know, rocks thrown, knocking, and they could hear hear things. Nothing that has been seen, as in like Class A type stuff, in, in about seven, eight years in this area. But uh, where I'm heading to next was been within the past three. And uh, when you head over there. Um, what do you, I mean, we kind of have an idea of what you can do behind the, uh, the dog track in terms of trying to start things up. You can just walk around and hope for an encounter, but what, what you've encountered over in Middleborough or what's been reported over in Middleborough, you're talking about needing to kind of draw it out a little bit, right? Yes. Um, where I am here, uh, behind the track, it's just a, it's a remnants of like an old road, and uh, there was, I believe, a a railroad spur that also came comes out on part of it, yeah, and it's a pretty narrow uh, pathway. But where I'm headed to next is along power lines, so that's a little bit more um, of a rougher train to to track through. So. It makes it a little bit difficult. Whereas in behind the track, it's pretty—I'll I'll call it relatively level and flat. Uh, there's a few wet spots here and there, but it, you can drive a vehicle down it. Where I'm headed to next, it's yeah, you're tra- you're trailing off road. All right. Well, we will check in with you uh, when you get there, and uh, just send me a text when you arrive so that I know that you're there, so I'm not bothering you when you're trying to get to the spot you're trying to get to. All right, not a problem. All right. Thank you so much, Moniz. Later. And uh, we will definitely be checking 
back in with Moniz uh, as the night goes on, uh, and uh, as well as some of our other investigators as well. Well, I'll tell you, in the area where Matt is, I had a, uh, a lady come up to me at a little uh, Paracon thing, this you know little fundraiser thing. Matter of fact, I think you were there. It was in Middleborough at the, uh, the town mm-hmm. hall. And um, she saw the, uh, I had a little thing for the Bridgewater Triangle film on, on my, my table, and she's like, oh, Bridgewater Triangle and all that. She says, yeah, I got a, a boyfriend that was uh, out hunting along the, uh, the power lines. And he said uh, he was cutting through the brush and going around those like those boulders that they have, there, those glacial erratics, I guess is what they call them. Came around one of them, and there standing on the ground was a Thunderbird. And wow. he ne- never heard of them. He never knew of the, the mystery of the Thunderbirds. He just saw a large bird. And, yeah, basically. so the thing was like six foot easily with almost, um, you know, it had feathers, but what he could see of its skin almost looked leatherly, le- le- leather like like a bat. And the thing just started screaming at him, and it was opening its wings and coming at him and like intimidating him. And he had a had a black powder gun with him out hunting, and he didn't dare shoot it. He just ran away from it. He told his girlfriend, "I think I saw a freaking dinosaur." He's like, "I'll never go up there again." And uh, you know, I've talked to some other people. You know, Lauren Coleman tells a story about Officer Downey mm-hmm. right at the intersection of Winter and Bird Street near Bird Hill, running into one standing in the middle of the road at two o'clock in the morning. Well, after the Bridgewater Triangle film came out, we had a little premiere in, on One Socket, Rhode Island, and an old timer came forward and said he and his uh, nephew were driving through Easton on the outside of the Huckamuck Swamp, broad daylight. Thing was standing by to the side of the road. They thought it was a nut in a costume until it opened its wings and flew away. Wow. So you know, not just Bigfoot and other you know the dogs, the black dog stories I've heard, but I've heard a lot of Thunderbird stories on the ground in in that. Uh, you know, in the triangle lately. And, and Chris, those Thunderbird <clears throat> stories, they go back all the way to the Native American times. They do. And, and I was wondering, you know, is there, <clears throat> you guys are, are much more uh, boots on the ground there. Has there been, uh, you were saying, not so many reports. Do you guys find that the, the, the type of activities in the Bridgewater Triangle has been shifting? I, I don't I don't know about that. Like I'll tell you. Like either in cycles or just like. Well, I'll tell you right now, as far as the, the topic of the Thunderbirds, I'm looking into a new cryptid in the Bridgewater Triangle. This story keeps coming up. We have in the Bridgewater Triangle, apparently, something that you could maybe call Owl Man, like the Owl Man of Cornwall, England. Only the reports mm-hmm. are this thing has a face similar to Jeepers Creepers, the thing in the horror film. And we keep accidentally finding people who have had encounters with this, uh, hunters mostly. But uh, a friend of mine uh, was driving down a road in Wareham, taking his girlfriend back to the Cape. And he saw a roadkill on the road when he went by earlier to his house, turned around, he was leaving with her. And there was something hunched over it in the road. And he thought in the second he approached it, he thought, man, this is like the biggest owl I've ever seen in my life. And tried to swerve around it. And it stood up unfolded these enormous wings and its wings slapped his windshield and nearly covered the windshield of his car he only went a few he only went a few seconds up the road and he's he's a kind-hearted guy and his girlfriend at the time was kind of a hippie chick herself and this is only uh was 2015 this happened and he started to turn the car around and his girlfriend is like what what are are you doing and he's like oh i hit the thing like its wings smacked the the windshield we got to turn around make sure the thing's all right that's like the biggest owl i ever saw and she's like, oh, no, don't don't turn around. Don't go back. Don't go back. And he went back and he got out of the car. He said it was so quiet. It was really, really creepy how quiet it was outside his car. And there was no flapping sound. There was nothing, no movement of an animal wounded trying to hop around. And he couldn't find it. And his girlfriend's pleading with him to get back in the car. And he's like, I got to make sure I didn't hurt this thing. And she goes, it wasn't an owl. Didn't you see its face? 
And he realized, no, I didn't see its face. I only saw the wing in its hunched over form. She goes, the thing looked like Jeepers Creepers. Let's get the hell out of here. Well, a little bit of time goes by. We're talking to an acquaintance of his he hadn't seen in a while. His acquaintance tells me, you know, tell him, oh, Andy was in this great film, The Bridgewater Triangle. You got to check it out. And he goes, oh, yeah, the story's around here. And he goes, I'll tell you, out of the blue, this guy just says, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to hang out with some older guys that used to hunt on the other side of uh, uh, 495. And they told me every once in a while, they'd run into this thing in the woods that would scare the hell out of them. And even though they were armed, they would leave. And they said they called it the owl, hmm. but it wasn't an owl. And since then, this guy has come back to tell us that he's run into more guys who hunt in the area and they've seen it too. So we have another cryptid that somehow slipped Lauren Coleman's radar, or, or maybe it wasn't maybe around it wasn't in his day. Up, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But this thing sounds like an absolutely hideous, like four-foot-tall owl that has a face that just is not a normal bird. It supposedly has very red eyes, and it's been seen in, in, in daytime, too, not just uh, at night. So I, I'm looking into this. This is a pretty spooky mystery. And and I just want to throw the whole... Yeah. whole yeah. Hold on one second. That's that whole idea that the triangle draws things in. So it's not just what is there, but also what is attracted to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to throw this out there real fast. Uh, our our strange family adventures uh, in the chat room. That's the the person's name. Our strange family adventures uh, says they've seen a thunderbird near the old house in Middleborough. Wow. Call in in the second hour if yes. you would like and share that story with us, please. Because uh, we are going to be up against it in a few minutes here uh, to be able to. Uh, Take anybody else on the phone. I'm going to try and call one of the groups uh, in the final couple minutes that we have here just to check in with them at least once this hour. And the Oliver House crew, uh, I know that they're out there doing some experiments. Uh, Shoot me a message back with the number that you want me to call because I know some service is spotty out there for certain people. Uh, So whatever number you want me to call, just shoot that back to me and uh, we want to find out what's going on over there as well. And anybody else that's out there that's part of our investigation show that's that's, uh, joined up as part of this, Please uh, send, send me a message on Facebook so that we can make sure that we check in with you. Uh, but, Chris, one thing I will say is uh, this this is at least my armchair quarterback perception of the mm-hmm. triangle is we are getting less Thunderbird sightings. We are getting less, you know, I never hear anything about the black cats. I never hear anything about the giant snakes. But there seems to be an increase in Bigfoot reports. And I don't know if that's mm-hmm. because there's more around. I don't know if that's because some of the development is pushing them out of where they were. And I don't know if right. that could be also because now that there's Bigfoot shows on television, people are taking it more seriously and, and coming forward with their reports. Well, let's not forget. Or just, even just like we've talked there. about before. That, I'm sorry. Even like we've talked about before, that kind of filter that people develop, if they're more in the, 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 the collective minds of people because of the shows and, and because of their known, uh, because they're, they're the most known thing, it could be misclassifications too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that the one thing that has seemed to have increased in the area, and I know Moniz could back me up on this, uh, UFO sightings. It's been an awful lot of UFO sightings uh, in the area, especially um, uh, the things that I saw, uh, the fleet of the six bright orange balls uh, flying through the air, uh, not you know on the outskirts of the, the triangle here in Massachusetts. And I'll tell you, I'm a ghost guy. I don't follow UFOs that much, but my joy hit the ground. I had no explanation for what we were looking at. So we are up against it, so I'm not going to try and call uh, the the team that's out there. Um, but I will definitely check in with them first coming up in the next hour. See, that's the thing. It's like I'm so used to being able to just like send Matt a message, Matt Costin, and be like, Matt, get these guys on the phone. And then he just goes into the next room and gets them on the phone. Maybe it's because I never said thank you that, uh, you know, maybe I should 
say thank you now because <laughs> I'm, I'm getting it paid back to me, Matt, by not, uh, not, not appreciating all that you did putting this show together. Uh, it's a lot of work. And so, yeah, like, that's why we've been able to keep this going for all these years uh, is not only because of the work that he would put into making sure that the technology was great. I mean, we had the green screen one year with the map behind us. You know, we've had uh, the, the ability to bring in the video and all that. So if, if you're interested in the show, if this is your first time hearing the Bridgewater Triangle show, We've done this annually. I think we've hit every year for the 13 years that we've been on the air. So you can go back on YouTube and watch a good number of them. And you can go back into the uh, podcast archives and listen to all of them. And here, year to year, when people went out, sometimes they go to the same spot. Sometimes they go to different spots. But you can hear some of the uh, changes in the reports over that time. And the reports that we're talking about now and the things that people are looking for now have changed quite a bit from what they were in 2006, uh, or 2007, rather. Mm. Um, oh, wait, 2006. Can't yeah. even, I can't yeah. remember when. <laughs> it was actually this time of year, 2005, that we started putting everything together. Um, but anyway, there's been so much change in not only the way people investigate, but in the stories that we're getting. And I think it's because we're at a point where there's more acceptance of these type of things in, in general society, so we get the more interesting reports. It's not just stuff coming from people who are already believers. So I look at, in the Bridgewater Triangle documentary film, um, uh, Bill, I can't think of Bill's last name, but Bill shares the story oh, about yeah, yeah. Uh, his encounter with what could have very well been a Pukwudgie creature, or it could have been a baby Bigfoot, or it could have been a variety of different things. And we are at that point now with the triangle where we don't have to put a definition on everything. You know, it's okay now just for something to be weird, and then we can try and figure it out later. We don't have to try to pigeonhole uh, these experiences and these sightings that people have into something that we already think is out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that only helps us out uh, even more going forward. And it'll help us out coming up in the next hour as well when we'll talk more about this stuff. Andy and Chris will stay here with me. We'll check in more with the teams in the field. We'll be back with more Spooky South Coast in just a bit. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk Entertainment, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast, our annual Bridgewater Triangle investigation show. Tim Weisberg here, along with my co-host for the evening, Andy Lake. And uh, we have on the phone as well, Chris Balzano. And uh, we are going to be jumping right back into it. We have teams out in the Bridgewater Triangle. We have some investigators out there uh, checking out some different locations. And they're going to try and check in with us throughout the course of this hour as much as we can. Of course, the problem that we're running into tonight is signal. 
we we have a nice night outside. It's, it seems to be a clear night, right? Yeah. The storms aren't supposed to be till tomorrow. Uh, but, of course, when you start going into the depths of some of these areas in the Bridgewater Triangle, it makes it harder uh, for people to uh, be able to connect with us via cell signal. I just had to bring the video back up there. Was, for some reason, that Isn't button that was sticking. That since you started the show, the technology has developed so much, and yet there's still no signal in the Bridgewater Triangle. And I think it's going to stay that way, at least unless... So I don't know, Chris, how much you've been following along with the plan, uh, but South Coast Rail is becoming a reality. And oh, I, is it? I believe it's by 2021, they expect to have the uh, the diesel route connected, which is basically just taking existing track that already exists and uh, and expanding that to have commuter rail service from Boston to the South Coast. But then they're going to be building the electric route, which I think is supposed to go into effect by 2023. Uh, mm-hmm. I could be wrong on that date. But that is the one that's going to go through the heart of the Hockenwalk. So that's going to take some doing to get approvals and all that kind of stuff. I think once that happens, you're going to see increased signal out that way because people who are flying through on the train are going to want to be on the train's Wi-Fi and the train's going to need to connect with something. And So I wouldn't right, be surprised right. if there's more towers out there by that point. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I would imagine that it is still relatively more developed than it was 13 years ago or however long it's been since you guys started the first show. And yet, you know, there's still these problems when people go out there, you know, which which is odd because I've been out there with less technology, not looking to publish or put out anything directly from the Bridgewater Triangle. And my signal is perfectly fine. I was able to call my, my wife at the time. I was able to to connect with these people. But as soon as we start putting a light on what's going on there and trying to do things live from there, that's when things seem to get worse. I mean, that's just my experience. Like I said, I'm an outsider from that area. Uh, people who live in it every day probably have a better handle on it. But, you know, it's just one of those, another one of those things that seems to be projecting from the triangle that um, we only want certain people, we only want a limited amount of people to know about this. And, and there seems to be this kind of... Um, force field <laughs> keeping it from ever becoming big whether it's the media not being able to fully cover it or people really being able to explore in live time what's going on there well let's see what happens when we try to connect with one of our groups that are out there now uh hello mark can you hear us yes tim i hear you fine all right and we can hear you so let's uh let's ride this out until the triangle takes over <laughs> so uh tell, tell us who you're out there with and, and where you are well i'm right where the High tension wires meet the abandoned railroad. I'm with Dave Francis, Kira Emily, and Ryan McDonald, and we're we've been out here since about 8:45 or so, I guess. Um, you know, went by, checked in with the police, of course, um, gave them my license plate number, cell phone number, for contact, all that stuff. Got that out of the way, and we've been out here. I came out here. You know, we've been out here for a while. We heard some coyotes going crazy. Um, behind us, more towards um, Purchase Street in Easton. And then there was really nothing going on, you know, noises here and there, but we're in the woods, so that's obvious. And then all of a sudden there was this weird yelp, like a spider monkey or something. It was just bizarre, about 50 feet away from us. And, uh, you know, a couple of us went down looking for it, couldn't find anything. We, we have it on, on record. They were filming at the time. So I can play that, put it on speakerphone. I don't know if it'll go through, though. Well, you can try. Yeah. All right, hold on. 
just squash it. You bring your phone to it. I mean, there's all kinds yeah. of things you can mess around with it. Yeah, that's... Hmm. Wow. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. sounds like a monkey. Right? That's what I'm saying. But as far as I know, there's no monkeys out here. There shouldn't be. No, there shouldn't be. Unless some... Now, uh, years ago, I talked to the animal control officer. There was a dead bird in my neighborhood, which is only about a half mile away from here. And he said, someone high profile in the community, so he couldn't tell me who it was, said they saw a monkey going down the road. And I said, you know, really? A monkey? And he said, oh, there's all kinds of glory pets out here. So maybe there is one out here, but it hasn't made any other noise since. Huh. But that was the weirdest noise I've ever heard ever in the woods. Well, do me a favor when you can. Send me the clip of that, and uh, we'll see if we can't try to find somebody that can help us pinpoint exactly what it is. Well, even if it yeah, is a real right. monkey, that's still pretty interesting. Right, absolutely. <laughs> can you imagine? That'd be wicked cool. Haven't you always wanted a monkey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, so, so... Oh, yeah, and then they got a, when we heard Moniz was down them further on the other side of the dog track um dave francis called matt Moniz, and we tried squishing them in the you know this noise in the middle and they thought they were right where i am at camp here at at the the crossroads and because there was a bright light that just was coming near them but it wasn't me i was here they were still another probably 200 feet into the woods so, so you're talking about an unexplained light source? An unexplained light source, exactly. It was like orangey or like a faint flashlight kind of thing. And they thought it was, you know, my lantern or something going down to meet them. But I stayed here the whole time. Well, so that's what's going on so far. That's a little it, weird. It sounds that's like, a uh, yeah, it sounds like there's uh, definitely some strange stuff happening. Hopefully it kind of ramps up for you. A little bit. Uh, yeah. We we'll we'll definitely. Why don't you check in with us just in case I can't connect with you again if signal becomes an issue? Why don't you check in with us around the quarter of ten of Mark, and let us it. know what's going on at that point. Sure, let you know. All right, thank you, sir. You're welcome. That, that is Mark Colacusis with the gang out there in the Bridgewater Triangle, and uh, we will be checking in in a few moments with Matt Moniz uh, as he's making his way over to Middleborough uh, to check out some of the recent. Uh, I just got a text from somebody yelping spider monkey. I don't, I don't, I, I agree with you, Andy. It's just as interesting if it's yeah. a monkey, you know? Yeah. I mean, there was a time that in Wark, Rhode Island, they were plagued by parrots and it was just weird to be in Wark, Rhode Island and see these huge parrot nests up on the telephone poles. You know, that's just a, something you don't think you're going to see in uh, Rhode Island. Chris, you must have had to get used to some different sounds living down there in Florida coming from Massachusetts. I actually have had several run-ins with spider monkeys, oddly enough, uh, as both a teacher and an explorer. But I'm wondering uh, how close or if the, the, the average person can mistake uh, a spider monkey or just a monkey call for an owl call. Because, you know, just kind of like thinking about what, you know, they, there, there is definitely something similar to the way that they screech. And so I'm wondering if that fits in with what Andy was talking about before about the owls. Well, I, I don't know. I I know I've got an owl out in back of my house uh, that uh, likes to make itself known. Uh, and what I just heard over the headphones doesn't sound anything like the guy who lives out in my woods. You know, we hear him hooting and making his noises. Right, and I see him right. flying around from time to time. But that, to me, just to my ear over the, the phone, that did sound like a, a spider monkey or some kind of... Were you, know, were you able to hear it, Chris, on your end? No, I wasn't able to hear it. Oh, it's crazy. But I know we have borrowing owls here. 
And especially when they start doing it in unison, it actually sounds somewhat like there's like monkeys communicating with each other. Huh. Who knows? So, but you I said, know, especially, you know, at a, at a, you know, at night and over distance, you know, sounds change. So you said you've had uh, you've had encounters with with spider monkeys. Yes. They're just like hanging uh, around down there or it was fun when I first started working at Naples High School. It's right near the Naples Zoo, and when uh, Hurricane Charlie came through, a lot of these things were damaged, and a whole bunch of uh, monkeys escaped. And so I was doing my duty in the back, like watching, making sure no no people were escaping uh, out the parking lot, and there were just these two monkeys staring at me. And I phoned in, I'm like, you know, uh, I have two monkeys staring at me, and they were like, are you the new guy? I'm like, yep. They're like, do not talk to the monkeys, do not associate with the monkeys, do not even look at them. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and then when I was looking at a, a place here in uh, Silver Springs, they have, uh, they were brought, a whole bunch of monkeys were brought in as an attraction, and Monkey Island went completely crazy. Um, <laughs> and they all escaped. And now they actually have, like, I just posted in the chat room, they have syphilis and herpes. Uh, so you're not supposed to uh, associate with the monkeys. At spy, uh, but definitely at, don't um, have sex with them. Yeah, don't date them, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, and you know, and it's you know, they're so adorable that you know you want to uh, maybe not date them, but you know, stay away from the monkeys here in Florida. And, and also, that's probably you can say that for most of the people as well. Yeah, <laughs> Florida man. <laughs> Today, a Florida monkey ripped somebody's face off. Yeah. The, the problem is, uh, you know, when somebody tells me not to talk to a monkey, like, come on. Yeah. That's like telling a fat kid not to eat that piece of cake. <laughs> you know, if there's a monkey there, I want to talk to him. Exactly. You know, there's that temptation, but much like many things with syphilis and herpes, there's that temptation to want to get close, but you have to resist it. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I guess maybe I'll just let them come over my house but not use my toilet seat. Yeah. Is that transmittable that way? I don't know. Uh, I'd have to go back to seventh grade health class. I didn't know you had that kind of control over monkeys, but... I, I don't know. I'm getting texts from somebody who keeps uh, insisting, definitely not an owl, what that sound was. Yeah. So, well, uh, okay. like, like I said, I couldn't really hear it. So. Well, well, we're going to get the clip from Mark, and then I'll send it to you when he gets, well, when I'll he gets tell over you, to me. I, I've got the Rhode Island uh, Audubon Society headquarters right in Smithfield, like five minutes from my house, and I, I do swing by there, and I know they have an owl expert that's in there a lot with his with his owls. Maybe if I uh, see somebody poking around, I'll ask him, hey, you know, could I get a phone number for somebody who can tell me what are the different owls we have in the area? What are the sounds they make? What are the sounds they make? Yeah. Or we can, I'll give you the clip and you can play that. E- for exactly. Them if, if that's possible. It. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know that we've got some animal experts in our circle of, uh, of, of listeners that uh, we could send that out to as well. Uh, last weekend I was at the Parson Barnard house out in North Andover. We were doing an investigation there. And when we were in the attic, uh, Simeon Putnam is known to haunt the attic there. So this house was built for one of the, uh, pastors involved in the Salem witch trials. But we've since, originally they thought he was one of the accusers, Thomas Barnard, but it turns out that he was actually trying to exonerate some of those that were accused. So we, the, the way that we interact with his spirit has changed. Uh, but Simeon Putnam ran a boys' school out of that building at one point, and some of the boys lived up in the attic, and we think that he probably wasn't too nice to those boys because he haunts that attic, and he, he makes it very strange. He makes it darker than it should be, and he messes with us. And uh, last weekend, he was making a lot of noises. And we had an owl that was kind of sitting outside the house, 
and we could hear him every once in a while, but we kept hearing these sounds that weren't weren't the owl. And they weren't coyotes, even though the coyotes were out. We heard them when we were over at the cemetery across the street. But we just get, kept getting this strange, weird animal sound. And that was happening at the same time. And it sounded like it was inside the house. We were also getting like phantom voices inside the house as well, like talking out loud to us. So it was uh, quite a strange experience. But it's kind of funny that... Uh, <laughs> John had a good one in the chat room. Simeon, not yeah. Simeon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would think the same exact thing. <laughs> but uh, this is, yeah, this is S-I-M-E-O-N, uh, Simeon Putnam. But uh, the just those animal sounds that we were getting were, were weirding people out. So it's kind of funny that, you know, here we are a week later and they're getting, you know, another strange animal sound. Well. Yeah, you know, that leads to you know, the, the, the miscommunication, uh, misidentification and things like that. You know, it, it's. There are so many weird sounds. If I just stand at the, um, especially when I first moved here, if you're not used to, if you're not out there all the time, I would hear the strangest things. I remember I was actually, I think, on Spooky South Coast uh, from the from their lanai, and I had to go inside because it was so loud. And it's a, it's a, there's no woods, you know, there's a, these little patches, and there's a, a swale right there, and um, there were just so many unidentifiable noises that seemed to be coming from animals, but you couldn't figure out like is that a bobcat or is it a you know something completely different so you know you never quite know what things are and the noise that they make and usually they're they're not the sounds that you think that they make and one one of the things that happens in the in the triangle a lot is that people will get they'll get turned around um even if they're like you know a very experienced outdoorsman will go an outdoors woman but they'll go out there and they'll get turned around and they'll hear things that they wouldn't normally hear uh, so that's, I mean, it's kind of par for the course when you're out there. And then the question becomes, is it something actually flesh and blood that exists or is it just a noise that's being made to further weird you out? Uh, or, right. or, is, or is it just a ripple in, in something else? I mean, maybe that could be the sound of something that used to live there that doesn't live there anymore. I was going to say, maybe you're experiencing some kind of time slip or something like that. We're actually catching uh, a, a moment of another time. When monkeys ruled Massachusetts. <laughs> or maybe it's the future when they'll take it over again. You finally did it. <laughs> Blew it all to hell. <laughs> we, we went to the same place, Andy. There you go. <laughs> Somebody brought up in the chat room Mothman, and, and there's, you know, there's been Mothman sightings lately. There's a Mothman-type creature that people are reporting seeing in the Bridgewater Triangle. Huh. So, hmm. which, you know, we've always kind of associated... Uh, kind of free associated to some degree, you know, Mothman with some of the Thunderbirds yeah. that people saw, you know, that maybe right. maybe the Mothman of Point Pleasant is the same thing as the Thunderbird of the Bridgewater Triangle. Uh, but to, to have people come in and say, you know, well, I've seen something that's definitely looks like a man, um, you know, like a the, the physique of a man, but with yeah. like an owl's type yeah, head. I, I, just, I just read an entire book on flying humanoids, Ken uh, Gerhardt's book, uh, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, people see these all types of winged creatures. Uh, interesting thing about the, uh, the 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 Owl Man of Cornwall, England, if that's what you want to call this this entity. Uh, Nick Redfern was reading one of his books, and he found out that a guy in town he was the father of the two girls that first saw it, uh, and he confronted a guy in the middle of the the village, and called him out as a witch. And said, if I ever find out that you're summoning things up and that owl thing that scared my daughters, and if you're responsible for it, I'm going to give you a, you know, a beating, a thrashing. And I found that kind of, you know, interesting that in Cornwall, England, you know, home of, uh, you know, witchcraft and, and uh, 
you know, the metaphysical, so to speak, in that part of the world. And uh, this guy's calling out a witch in the public square and accusing him of summing up this this owl-like, you know, owl-man creature, whatever it was. So, you know, that's far-fetched, but who knows? Maybe some of the things in the Bridgewater Triangle are being brought up on by sheer human will. You know, are we, you know, creating some kind of tulpa that's feeding off of our own imagination? Who knows? I don't know, but it's, it's just crazy. All right, we do have a call on the line, and then we will check in with Moniz after that. Let's take this call. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Oh, hold on. Let me press. There you go. There you are. Hey, Tim. It's Chris at the Oliver House. Hey, how's it going? We were trying to connect with you, but, you know, the Oliver House loves to to play tricks with people's phones and with their signals. Well, we've we've all been on airplane mode because um, we've been doing the SD's method. That makes sense, too. Yeah. So uh, what's been going on? You you messaged me earlier. It sounds like uh, you've been getting some results with that. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been cr- pretty crazy. It sounds like we may have gotten like a bounty hunter from the Underground Railroad time coming through. Wow. Um, we've got it going down in the basement right now. But what made me come back up into the main house was we all heard this really loud bang from upstairs. So. I came back up into the house to investigate it, and uh, Sean was up here, and he heard it too. So, I mean, we haven't found anything, so I don't know if it's just the house settling with the cold or maybe something else trying to get our attention to get us out of the basement. I'm not sure. Hmm. But it's been very, very active. Now, uh, generally the house is pretty active uh, overall, but for you to say, you know, things are really particularly active tonight that that shows uh that it must really be ramping up is um it started ramping up last weekend Mm -hmm. when we actually had experiences in the house and then the guests were calling us later on and actually corroborating what was happening to us while we were locking up at night so um it the last few weeks it's been really really strong um, in the house, more so than usual. I mean, usually it's always active. I mean, you know that. Um, but the last couple of weeks, it's been unusual. So it's uh, it's been a pretty cool experience. So so it's and and you said that right now they're they're running the SC's method in the basement. Yeah, they've got it going down in the basement. Um, Which makes sense because that's where you know the Underground Railroad hiding spot was. Right. Um, but we had uh, we had experiences in Sally's bedroom, in the uh, Jones room, the kids' room, um, down the Ben Franklin room. So we've kind of been doing it all through the house, um, and we've actually been getting some pretty good answers with it. I mean, at one point we had turned off all the candles and only had a red light going, and we asked what color they saw, and the first first thing out of their mouth was red so it, it kind of blew us away well i mean so. hopefully uh hopefully the activity keeps rolling for you and definitely uh, check back in with us before the show's over at midnight if anything else happens all righty and tell everybody out there that uh that we said hello and and uh that we will be out there to hang out with you guys soon all right great talk all to right. you soon take care all right bye that is uh chris andrade over at the oliver house and Oh, no, that's pressing the wrong button. Put that call on hold because I think that's Moniz. Uh, Chris Balzano, I don't think you've ever been to the Oliver House, right? 
No, never been. Oh man, the next time that you come up here for anything, we have to sneak over there for a little while and show it to you. You, it, this this place never disappoints. Uh, it it's always active, and it's because they run tours there, and it's ongoing. There, it's basically a case study, and they're able to kind of keep continuing the narrative as they go along. Um, what town is it located in? It's in Middleborough. Um, okay, right off of Route Forty Four. <laughs> <laughs> right, it literally is. Route Forty Four is like. Like, you could stand at the side of the Oliver House and spit and hit Route 44. You know, I'm always disappointed that I wasn't able to get more into the Middleborough because there were so many great stories from there I was never able to follow up on. And not only will you come and check out the Oliver House uh, next time you're up here, but you will also, I will take you to the Charred Oak Tavern down the street, which is my favorite restaurant. And uh, okay. you will enjoy some uh, some candied bacon dipped in homemade butterscotch. And uh, I don't know if you're a I don't know if you're a bourbon drinker at all, but they get all the uh, bourbons and whiskeys from all over the world. Rare stuff that you can't get anywhere else. Well, I don't drink, but when I do drink, I go bourbon. Well, same here. I don't drink that much either, but when I go to Chard Oak, I always have something because you, you you can't be somewhere where they have stuff that's so unique and not try it. How's the toilet wine? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I you know. <laughs> Just to give you an idea, like not to, to go down a side road. Instead of snacks tonight, we're going to talk beers. But um, I usually get those those bourbon barrel ales. Like when I get a beer, you can get those bourbon barrel ales where they serve it to you in like a brandy snifter. Yeah. And it's like nine bucks for like, you know, this little small thing of beer. Over there, they serve it to you in a regular like 22-ounce beer glass, and it's seven bucks. Uh. So that's, I mean, I shouldn't keep telling them that because they'll be like, oh, we should probably charge more for this. But uh, those guys know what they're doing, and and, uh, and I recommend it. Chard Oak Tavern in Middleborough. All right, that t- that takes care of the food and, and plug all the portion of the show. Actually, they're an advertiser, so it's not it's 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 not a bad thing to to promote them. But um, let's go to the phones, and I believe we have Moniz on the line. Moniz, you there? Yes, I am. Moniz, I got to ask you before you go into you know talking about where you are and what's been seen there and everything. Have you been to the Chard Oak Tavern yet? Uh, no, I've been by it. I have always wanted to try it. Oh man, we got to go. You will love it. It is uh, it is a meat lover's paradise. I'm down. Candied bacon dipped in butterscotch. That's all I'm saying. Okay, okay. And that's just the appetizer. Wait till you try their steak. You can cut it with a fork. Ooh. So good. But uh, hopefully their steak is uh, beef and not Bigfoot meat. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Huh? Although there has been a lot of sightings out there, and you're actually at the site of one where there's been one recently. Correct. I am off of Pine Street in Middleborough. A um, couple of guys checking out cellar holes and doing some basic metal detecting in the area stopped off on this little, little pull-off on the side of the road because they saw a, a, a historical plaque, so... They figured, oh, let's go check the area, and um, they basically got chased back to their car. Uh, and these two were former retired Marines, and as you know, Marines generally don't retreat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, this thing made a noise that reverberated their chest, and they realized that uh, these guys were not going to be able to handle what was making the noise on the other side of the tree, so... So, but that's yeah. just that's just the more recent sighting. I mean, there's been a lot going on in that area for the past couple of years, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Middleborough, uh, we uh, we just had a sighting that I just talked to witnesses that happened this year right off of 44, right down the road, uh, relatively from where I'm at. Uh, there's also been uh, a number of them out 
in the Betty's Neck area, Lakeville, Middleborough line, uh, out in um, Freetown, there's been a lot. So this whole southern region area, you know, Middleborough, Lakeville, and Freetown uh, have been pretty active this past year. Uh, the guys from the BFRO, Massachusetts, have been, you know, keeping me busy. And I, I've noticed, too, that as, as those reports have been on the increase, um, you know, it, it sounds for, – for you guys to be out there doing as much of this uh, as you have been in that area, they sound like they're legitimate cases and not just people that are getting excited because they saw something in the woods and they also happen to watch these Bigfoot shows that are on TV and they're, mis, they're misidentifying it. I mean, these sound like they're, they're pretty significant uh, experiences. Right. Um, the – Cases that they send me are stuff that they feel is definitely legitimate. There are people that leave cases on their forum in their reporting center where they they make a description, but they leave no contact information. There's tons and tons and tons of that kind of stuff that gets reported, uh, even here in Massachusetts. And uh, a number of them have been in the southeastern Massachusetts region. They just don't leave any information. You know, the one the, several that have are people that are serious and um, have something to say. And the, I have to say, the people I've talked to, not interested in any type of television, don't want their names associated in the public with it. But they felt that they had to report it. So, so then my question is, with with those type of reports on the increase, what are we doing that's causing these things to to to, to come out more in front of people? I don't think that they're really coming out more. I think that we have a better ability for communication and reporting. Because think about this. 20 years ago, even 15 years ago, when we first started this, there wasn't really any places that you could report unless you went digging to look for it. Now these things are more publicly available on television. Oh, there is a group. Uh, that's the people I signed. Maybe I can report it. Mm -hmm. Yes, you also increase the amount of crank pots that, you know, report too. But the general public now has an idea where to go, whereas before they had no idea. So so there is a question from Ellen in the chat room. Where can she go to read these reports? Uh, I know you're saying these are reports that come into the BFRO, but do they publish them publicly? Uh, Some of them. They, they, do, they do have reports by state, but there is literally thousands upon thousands of field reports that are not put on the, on the page yet. They, they, they do a very thorough job of researching these before they post them. And I believe you it's... Know, what, what you see on, on for the states is only a handful of things, you know, but there's literally hundreds of cases here in Massachusetts. Well, that's that's a good place to go to the BFRO website to uh, to either read some reports or to report something if you've seen it yourself, and then uh, if it happens locally, they'll they'll probably send Moniz to your house. So you'll just have to deal with that. Yeah. All right. Well, you stay safe out there, Matt. You let us know if anything else happens. All right, and uh, check in with uh, Mark and yep. uh, Dave. They're uh, on the other line right now. Okay, we had some interesting little occurrence. All right, and we will t check in with them. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good night, guys. Later. And oh, hold on, I was hitting the wrong thing. All, All right, now we'll go to Mark out in the field. Hello, Mark, is that you? It is. How you doing, Tim? Uh, we're doing well. So any anything else weird happening out there? Unfortunately, no. 
you kind of jinxed us, my man. I'm sorry. I have a habit of doing that. <laughs> you make everything go quiet, apparently. But, you know, Moni's... You know, no, I told him about the light, didn't I? You didn't. Yep, you mentioned oh, yeah, the light. It was just, uh, re- remember earlier I said there was an orange orb down the path that, that the other rest of the group saw. Mm-hmm. And now there was just a red one a little further out between the high-tension wires and the uh, the opening to the path again. But that's really about it so far. Well, how long are you guys going to stay out there? Are you going to wrap it up when the show wraps up? Or are you going to kick we'll it around wrap out there? It up. It's yeah. pretty cold out there. The, the other thing, yeah, that's the problem with, and people keep asking us why we do this uh, so late in the year when it gets cold. And I, yeah. I, just so people understand, we have to do it as late as we can because of the mosquitoes. Yeah. That's um, the thing. I'm, I'm in, you know, ground zero for Triple E out here. Right. <laughs> so just as well, we can come out here after it frosted a few times. I gave serious consideration this year to canceling the Triangle show because the Triple wow. E uh, was so bad that I figured the only, because you have to have a hard frost uh, right. before they'll they'll say that the, the, the Triple E risk is lifted. And even though we've had some frost over the last couple of weeks, none of it's been the hard frost. It has no. to be four hours of consistently, yeah. you know, uh, under 32 degrees weather or whatever. So we haven't yeah, had no, that yet. We haven't yet. been anything close to that, but they've been doing a ton of uh, spraying. Right. It flew right over my house twice. The plane was just, I couldn't believe how low it went. So it, it had to have hit here. Well, hopefully you guys are all wrapped up and uh, brought plenty of bug spray. Yeah, yeah. We, we Actually, we didn't even need it today. There's virtually no bugs out here. But what we've done in the past when we went out, um, he, Dave got this stuff that creates a whole perimeter. So he sprays it in a circle around us. And it's like a cone of silence. There's just nothing in there, mosquito was. <laughs> nice. Whoa. There's the coyotes going again. Well, watch out for those, too. That's another problem. They're going uh, way over by Purchase Street. I can hear them now. They're out that way. All right. Well, you... like, like a lot of them, several. Well, that sounds like maybe you need to <laughs> get out of the area. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you. We can handle it. But the last time it was them, and then later we heard that, that weird uh, howl noise again. So we'll stick it out for another half hour at least. All right. Well, let well, us know if anything it. happens, and stay safe out there. Appreciate it. Take tell care, guys. tell everybody we said thank you. Will do. Have a good night. All right, bye. That is Mark Colacusis and the gang out there. Uh, and now, uh, Chris, that's one of the things that, um, you know, as I was saying, we have to take into consideration is the fact that, you know, Triple E's been a problem the last couple of years, but this year's been worse, mm-hmm. worse than ever. Uh, and, and I think that that's going to be something that will um, hopefully fade out. Hopefully this is just a thing that comes in cycles. Uh, I know that it's because yeah. we had a lot of wet weather last year, but you've been out in the triangle enough to know, like, you can't mess around with some of the stuff that's out there. No, I mean, you know, the, the, the triangle kind of decides when you can go and, and visit it. So, you know, over the years, we've had amazing adventures out there, and we've had amazing shows, but it always has to be dictated by when you can actually go out and, and when it's safe to go out. And what what I think it's is going to happen... Each one its own kind of personality, you know? Mm-hmm. What I think is going to happen is we're only going to see increased uh, interest in it. Uh, of course, the, the Bridgewater Triangle documentary a few years ago came out. That increased interest. Now it's on Amazon Prime. People are watching it all the time. That increased interest. But this new FX series that's supposed to be coming, that's only going to start to increase people's um, interest in it as well. I don't know. Are you familiar with this, no, Andy? No. So uh, Noah Hawley, who is the, the guy behind um, the Fargo series on mm-hmm. FX, and also the uh, Legion series on FX. He has pitched a show to the network about... It's based on a book from somebody that I've never heard of uh, who wrote a book about Bridgewater Triangle stories. 
And so it's going to be an anthology series with, you know, uh, fictional dramatic stories about the Bridgewater Triangle. But that it's oh. I guess it's a couple of siblings that are like investigating triangle cases. And it's going to be like kind of an um, wait siblings investigating like yeah. supernatural. Yeah. But it's going to be like basically this this story where it's uh, they're like the central figures, but they're going to be investigating a different case each week. And it's all going to be Bridgewater Triangle related. So it's really going to increase the interest when people realize this yeah. is a real place. Yeah. Although Chris, as you know, that doesn't necessarily mean things in it will be factual. Yeah. No, and it shouldn't be like it's fictional, right? I mean, it's supposed to be. So I think they're just going to take the concept of the Bridgewater Triangle and then just do a creature of the week kind of kind of thing. You Which know? is fun. I would be interested to what their overwhelming arc is going to be. You know, like the the, the if you were a fan of the X Files, you liked individual episodes, but you liked the the ongoing story. You know, mm-hmm. and so I'd be wondering what angle they're going to take with that like overarching one. Is it the government? Is it the is it the aliens? Is it Tannic culture in control of everything? But here's the downside to this, and, and you know this well, both of you know this well, because you've experienced it in, in your own investigations, is you get that, that Liberty Valance effect when the legend becomes fact, print the legend, there's going to be stories yeah. that happen on that show that are going to not be based in reality at all, that people are then going to go out and yeah. report saying that they've encountered in the Bridgewater Triangle. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely going to have, if it if it actually makes it to air, and, and I've got doubts that it will... Um, uh, you're definitely going to see it change the complexion of the Bridgewater Triangle, not only in terms of the popularity of it, or it's kind of like spot as, you know, maybe it can kind of become, you know, more like the Skinwalker, where maybe maybe people haven't been there, but they at least know about it. Um, and so it's like, a, but it's definitely going to change the way people start reporting things that they experience, because they're going to want to be part of that, but they're also going to say, well, I saw it on that show, so... Maybe that's the thing that I've been experiencing. Why, why do you have doubts that it'll make it to air? Because nothing for the Bridgewater Triangle ever makes it to air. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of... There's, there's <laughs> at mean, least a half a dozen it, reality it, it, shows in the works. Right, right. And, and you know, uh, um, I've, I've done a, a few shows on Tripping on Legends about this, about the, the idea of the Bridgewater Triangle. And, and, you know, this probably has the best chance of it. But, you know, I, I think at some point they're going to run into something and be like, it's probably just easier to take the ideas of the Bridgewater Triangle and set it someplace, you know, else and not have to kind of right. connect with Bridgewater Triangle mystique. It's not like it's big enough that they're playing off of its popularity to, to fuel the show. So I got a feeling before it airs, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change its focus. Well, I've been pushing a show where Matt drives around with the... Uh Bigfoot in a convertible fighting aliens in the Bridgewater <laughs> Triangle, and uh, I hope it'll get the green light. And that's the show that I want. <laughs> it's just weird enough to work. Uh, well, yeah, but that's what's very interesting about this is, is as you said, it, they don't need the Bridgewater Triangle name to make it work, and we know they're not going to film it here. Uh, so it's probably, although Massachusetts does have good, you know, tax credits for filming, uh, as John pointed out in the chat room, it'll, like it'll be in British Columbia. Columbia. Right? Hmm? They changed that the last couple of years, and that's why there's so many now, so many more movies that are being shot and, and, and focused on Massachusetts. Yeah, so like now, you know, like the Equalizer movies took place here, and um, they, they they're just and they filmed the they just the, did the X Men in Massachusetts too, and the Ghost the Ghostbusters, uh, the one with the the women that was yeah. filmed here, yeah, representing New York City, uh, yeah. But that <laughs> no, that's what they did. They really they filmed New York City scenes in Boston. Uh, but because the tax credits were better, but that's what's, you know, 
kind of interesting about this is you're dealing with something that's a bit of an unknown still to the average person that you could create any story. You could create the, you know, the, um, you know, the, the Pleasant Valley triangle mm. and not have to right. have it, you know, be tied into a real place. Like, what do you think is going to be the, the, the gain to have it tie into a real place? I don't think that there is. I don't think there's a big enough name recognition. I kind of feel like, you know, it, there, maybe there's a part of it that's like, well, we've done the Midwest, so let's go to the East. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, that maybe that's merely it. And then and it's a hook when you're maybe um, pitching it, because you can say there is this area where all this stuff happens. Based that's on a true story. And then as it goes through and it goes through and it goes through, because, okay, now it becomes, you know, it's actually this place instead. It's actually, instead of the Bridgewater Triangle, it's the Brookwood Triangle. You know, like, it's, it's just enough off that it hints at some place that really exists, but it's not. Yeah, and I think that's probably where we'll go with it. But, hey, I'll still, I'll still tune in and watch it, because, you know, basically, you know, Noah Hawley shows are pretty good. So uh, I would completely agree. Both of those shows I love, so. Uh, the other thing too about the Bridgewater Triangle, we we just mentioned it there briefly. There is a lot of reality television that has been focusing on it lately, both with the idea of having series focusing on it, and also having um, series that kind of look at a lot of different places, having Bridgewater Triangle focused episodes. So yeah. the the problem is 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 the stories are getting out there, but a lot of them are just rehashings of the same things that were covered in the documentary. I mean. I run into it trying to do library lectures around here, and there's at least four or five other people going around doing lectures about the Bridgewater Triangle, and right. most of them are people that we've never heard of, but they're just they're getting these library bookings, and and you know people will ask me what's the difference between your presentation on it and their presentation. So my presentation is I've actually been there, yeah. and I've actually done it, and these people are just telling you the same stories that I've experienced, you know. And yeah, th- it's my first question would be. Um, does, do the libraries care? You know, so like, so when you right. say that, they go, "Oh, well, you know what? I want the genuine person." Or they're like, "No, we'll take discount Tim, yes. rather than you know full price Tim." Mm-hmm. But when you get no, discount Tim, yeah. you get a discount they, Tim performance. Yeah, like, well, what is what is their response to that? Are they willing to go for like the watered down version, or do they still want you? Well, it all depends. Well, I I just I was telling Tim I just uh, tried to help some people who are doing a sort of Bridgewater Triangle. TV show, and they were literally just trying to pressure me and the other people involved and to just make stuff up and just completely. And I couldn't understand why are you doing a story in this area and and not just focusing on the actual stories? Why are you trying to make right, something right. up? And I told him my final uh, my final communication. I don't know what you folks are doing. I'm sorry, I can't help you. I just don't understand what you're doing. Tell the stories; they're there already. And there's new ones. We've we've been finding people who've got new stories. So you don't have to rehash the old ones. You can retell them, but there's still stuff going on in the area. And I don't know. It's just, I, I, why, why can't you just tell the story as it is? I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Well, I also also find it interesting when I've got these people who call me up and they want me to explain to them someone else's story. And right. I'd say, like, you know, I, I, why would you ask me to, to, to explain to you, you want you, just go talk to you want you. Like, yeah. You know, you don't need, I mean, I can tell you my experience. I can tell you the things I've, but, you know, it's kind of like the, most of those producers want a one-stop uh, person. They want someone who, you know, uh, has had their own experiences, but can connect them to people who had the firsthand experiences, but then now tell me all the other stories that you're not involved in. And it's like, well, that's not really fair to the people whose stories those are. 
Right. And and I think people are looking for kind of an ombudsman of the Bridgewater Triangle. And certainly, you know, that exists. There's there's enough people out there that are, are, are authorities on it, for lack of a better word. But it still doesn't have the same impact as getting it from the people who experience it directly, especially when those people are willing to share their stories. It's not like right. it's not like we found stories from people that would never talk to anybody else except us. Mm. Right, right. You know, I mean, and it's it's you, you try to get the information out there, and that's kind of like I think Tim and I, Tim, you and I were talking about this with the Bridgewater Triangle NPR guy. Like, you want me to do your work for you? Like, no. Right. Like, it's I'm, I don't get the byline. You go do the research, fool. Right, and also he's getting paid for it, not us. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, well, thank you, Chris, for joining us. Thank you, Andy, for coming in, and thank you to everybody out there in the field that helped us out. Uh, we will be back hopefully next week, uh, depending on the wrestling schedule, but then we've got plenty of shows lined up for you uh, throughout the coming weeks and months. Uh, we will uh, certainly have everything updated. Uh, the podcast feed is all updated, so check out all the latest episodes. We've got everything up to date on YouTube as well, so check all that out. So we'll say goodnight for tonight, and we'll say happy Halloween to everybody in advance for Andy and Chris and Matt and everybody else, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular.